Solo. This is Mike Wheeler, co-host of Agility at Work, co-host, unfortunately, just in name today because uh, my colleague and dear friend Kim Leary can't be joining us today. She'll be back for the next uh, episode. So I'm going to be in conversation with Amy Chu, who I've gotten to know a little bit over the last several years. She's had a remarkable career. Any one of the things that she's done is interesting in its own right. But it also, I think, is uh, unusual in how many bases she has touched. Uh, I've been very fortunate in my own life in terms of how my career has developed, and that was nothing that I had planned. Uh, Amy has gone down a very different path with lots of twists and turns. And we'll get to a point in the conversation, I'm sure, where we talk about how uh, negotiation allowed her to make a rather dramatic uh, change in her professional life. So we'll call Amy in here shortly. I, I want to introduce you. You have a remarkably multifaceted uh, resume, and you can correct me if I've got this wrong. But some people getting out of high school might find it hard to choose between two premier institutions, Wellesley College and MIT, and they might choose one or the other. You did both more or less simultaneously. Is that right? Uh, that's correct. It's one of the benefits of if you get into both schools, there is a special program where you're allowed to basically pr pursue both degrees. If you're a crazy person like I am, uh, you're allowed to do it in five years. And so you have a Bachelor in Arts. What was your major in that? The, the BA is from Wellesley, yes. and it was in East Asian Studies. And the S, technically it's called the SB, right, from MIT, was in Architecture. Course four, if I recall, is that correct? That is correct. Uh, I was at MIT a long, long time ago uh, uh, in right. the parallel Department of Urban Studies and Planning. Small world in that regard. So you did that. You came out with the Bachelor's in Science and the Bachelor of Arts as well. What did you do right after college? Well, so this is actually related to um, my career change in general. While I was doing both degrees, I actually uh, helped start a publishing company, a, a magazine, in fact. And so this kind of relates to my career transition to comics many, many years later. So as you can imagine, back then, this was at a time where we didn't really think about things like venture capital and doing all these things. We just started the magazine. But when you got out of HBS, did you go work in the co corporate world? I kind of jumped around a bit, uh, being opportunistic, when I graduated from HBS, I really felt like I should have done what everyone else did, they, that they had a carefully planned career and they did consulting. And then they, you know, it's the sort of misconception I think I had at that time of that's what one was supposed to do. I did the two years of consulting, followed by even more consulting. So, yes, I did do that. And if anybody were watching a person who had that kind of background, they might imagine you doing any number of things, but I don't think they would have imagined you getting into the comic world. And a comic world where it's fair to say perhaps even now, but most certainly then, uh, very male-dominated. Is that a fair 
characterization? Yeah, I would say that is uh, that is fair if you're talking about the comics that most people are familiar with, which is the Marvel and DC superhero world. I would say that's not exactly correct for what we're now seeing much more of, which is the sort of children's book market, the YA book market. Yeah. But if we're talking about the, the comics that you grew up with, that you're familiar with, going to comic book stores, absolutely. So, so this is where we get into... Uh, living in different kinds of environments. The consulting world is very different, I assume, from the comic world. Here we're getting into negotiation in the broadest sense. How did you make a place for yourself? What did you have to do to get notice and get support? You're absolutely right. They're, they're very different worlds, uh, very different culture and people. So I feel like I had to uh, essentially relearn a lot of things. I think that there's there's certain uh, business is business. I mean, that's one when the beauty of consulting is that you sort of learn to parachute into multiple industries. But they're typically industries that are run with people who are knowledgeable about business. Whereas comics is largely driven by people who were fans first and then got into the business. So you're sort of dealing with a different mindset. And I learned that pretty quickly. How does it make the make it harder? And in what ways, I just wonder, is it easier in any respects? You know, um, negotiation is negotiation. But when other people don't realize that that's what you're doing <laughs> – you know, you kind of have to change your change your approach, if that makes sense. Um, and also, I'm largely working with people who are essentially creative people, and and they do think differently. Uh, I, of course, now I have to sort of recouch this whole thing because I, I realize now I am considered a creative person. I started off approaching it as a business person, but I have apparently, you know, metamorphed into a creative person. <laughs> But I'm wondering, particularly when you say people don't really realize what that they're negotiating, can can you dig a little deeper in that in terms of what you were experiencing sure. and thinking was going on and wherever their minds and hearts were? You know, I, I learned so much at HBS. And I want to say also, much to my surprise, sometimes you think about it as, oh, well, I'm just getting accreditation in a lot of ways. But I learned so, so much. Uh, particularly with like negotiations, for example. But then in the real world, when you're getting there, in, in, and I don't mean to say that the corporate world is not the real world, but frequently you do have to negotiate with people who don't have the same uh, understanding of what is at stake with the negotiation. Does that make sense? Yes, but I also want clarity for our, our listeners. I didn't have the great good luck to have you in my particular section of negotiation, but I'm glad you remember that as a useful course. I've taken us off track a little bit, but as I recall, we're talking about kind of the mismatch may be too strong a word, but how you're engaging people in the, in the comic world. And it might be helpful, actually, whom do you have to engage to get started in that world? Okay. So um, when we're talking about in, an engagement and potential negotiation, and this is not always about uh, let's say, financial negotiation. Frequently, it can be about creative negotiation. You know, who does what, how it's done. So I, I'm a comic book writer. I'm like the screenwriter for a TV show. So the story starts with me. But, you know, I'm not the, I'm not the sole author. 
I'm, I'm basically creating in our, like architectural terminology. I'm basically creating the foundation, the blueprint, but other people are adding on to it. But help me out, just so, so I understand that when if we go back to your MIT experience in mm-hmm. architecture, you're doing the blueprint. But there's going to be an engineer involved, um, exactly. and there may may be other people. Whoever is hired as the contractor mm-hmm. has his or her own ideas. Until you and I started talking about this some time ago, I naively thought that somebody did everything. You you write the script, as you say, but somebody else is doing the illustration. Often, somebody else is doing the coloring, and yet mm-hmm. another person is doing the um, the lettering. What what's the phrase for that? Oh, letterer. They're they're, they're okay. generally called I, the letterer. I was close. So, so I guess my question to you is, you obviously figured out a way, but how did you get such people to answer your calls when you weren't a known quantity? I should also clarify, I mean, for mainstream superhero comics, you generally have a team, as you just described, and the project manager tends to be an editor, and that editor will typically work for the, a bigger company like Marvel or DC. But there, there are plenty of comics that are actually done by sole authors. They're typically artists who also write the stories. And these are, again, typically more independent comics. This is kind of like you're getting into more like the underground zines, the web cartoons and things like that. I don't want to discount that. That is a different segment of the market. But for where, you know, where the money is being made, generally speaking, historically has been in the you know marvel dc area and and that's typically how how the teams are run the entire quote-unquote breaking in process typically involves for a writer is that i got to show that i can actually create the content and write the content so i had to self-publish and so the breaking in method for writers is exactly that that you you basically have to be your own publisher, uh, come up with the content, and basically hustle like crazy to get yourself in front of editors who are looking to hire writers. So so what's involved in the hustling? That's interesting. You know, I don't know whom you had for a negotiation course, but we usually, as I think about it, stipulate who the parties are. But, but you've got to get somebody to look at your work, and your work, are you Merely showing them the script as you're... Oh, no, no, that doesn't work. Yeah, so so even (laughs) to have... It's like a proposal you're putting together, but you've got to enlist other people to put it in a form that people can recognize uh, the power of what you're trying to do. Sure, there's a bunch of different strategies. The strategy I I chose, basically as an unknown, trying to break in, uh, my my theory, which proved to be correct, was, you know, since I'm not known, and this is a collaborative venture, I need to somehow basically collaborate with people who are known. By default, if it looks good, reads good, you know, I would be considered a professional too. Mm-hmm. That's, that's sort of the easy way to say it. So part of my uh, original hustle was going around and trying to convince people who are established to work with me as as the new person. Can you give us an example? So one of the stories that I pitched, I pitched to uh, a man named Larry Hama. I think this is what really established me as, you know, quote unquote, a professional. Larry Hama, if uh, you're not aware, uh, people in the comics world really know him as essentially the creator of G.I. Joe. Ah. Yes. Not a lot of people know that outside. In fact, not a lot of people also know that he is a third-generation Japanese-American and a veteran. So 
uh, I had actually run into him at an event, an Asian American event. Uh, this ties into my <laughs> earlier career as a nonprofit person. Started chatting up with him, and then when he was talking about his family being uh, interned during World War II, I was like, well, here's an opportunity. I don't think he gets approached very often about talking about that experience. So I pitched uh, to him a short story that was set during World War II in an internment camp, much to my surprise, because, you know, again, I'm, I'm very new, and he, he has decades of experience. Uh, he offered to draw it. Um, so obviously I took him up on that. To me, it's a win-win. Uh, I, I thought it was quite obvious, but when I mentioned it to other people, they were extremely surprised. Apparently I had, I had not realized this. He has not drawn for a long time. He, he doesn't have to anymore. So for him to draw my, my story, was a huge, huge thing for him. Can I get into the details a little bit? You meet him, you're talking to him. You definitely know who he is. Mm-hmm. The back of your head is, gee, I hope I can pursue some kind of relationship here. Mm-hmm. But but I take it there was there was a pause where you actually had to go and write the story, right? So this wasn't just one magic moment where, where a deal was struck. Well, um, yeah, it's not exactly like that because, again, you know, it, I would love to say that these creative things just, you know, come through. So it wasn't like I pitched him immediately. This is over the course of several weeks. But I also, you don't necessarily need to have something written and then you pitch it. You need to have an outline. You do need to have an idea what what the story is about, where it's going. And also out of consideration, I think this varies between collaborators is also understanding how how much input do they want or need. Sometimes artists prefer to have everything done and dotted with, you know, the I's dotted and the T's crossed, uh, and then they just take it from there. Other artists want to also be involved, and that's part of the creative co- collaboration. If that's the kind of artist you are, then I, I bring you in much earlier in the process. Was that something that you knew, or in talking to him, you just got a sense of how he worked? Um, it's a little bit of both. I think it's just from experience of managing people and also working in teams, but also the more I understood um, how the creative process worked and also how certain people work. Um, it's just that process of feeling out what is it they want to do. And and also, honestly, what is what are they going to get out of working with right. me? And, you know, because what do I have to offer aside from money? You know, Let's go back to where we were a little bit in terms of people recognizing when they're negotiating or maybe not recognizing it. I like to think of negotiation broadly. You're building a relationship. You're coming to some kind of understanding about who you are and how comfortable you are with the other person. It's not a matter of trading one thing for another, but I still think it's negotiation, and you're looking for some intersection of of interests. Does that resonate at all, or would you put it differently? Oh no no absolutely you you really are looking for what I what I feel is the win win it's the mutual willingness to work together and establish that relationship otherwise why do it maybe you, maybe you look in the mirror and you just sort of assume it's the way you are but I think you're in a um, if not unique very close to a unique position having touched all the different bases that you have can you tell us what you're doing now as I understand it you're still writing but you also at least for a time had a business, was it Alpha Girl Comics? This is the, the, the probably the busiest time I have ever, ever been in in my professional life. So I am currently actually working on two series for Marvel. Um, 
That's a big deal. Yeah, yeah, that that is actually a big deal. It's pretty cool to be able to say that. And I have a uh, another book, a graphic novel coming out from Penguin Random House this summer. Oh wow! Yeah, and, and um, I'm also working on. <laughs> I think this is a funny but a pretty big deal. I'm working on my first Archie crossover, and Archie is a comic I did grow up with. Oh my. And so I'm doing a, a Betty and Veronica crossover with two classic uh, 70s characters, Red Sonia and Vampirella. So it's a three-way crossover. Is is there a link or something that people could go to and get a, some sense of your work? Um, well, you know, I do have a website. It's, you know, iwritecomics.com, which is also amychu.com. I figure I, I need to cover both. Yes. Um, but, you know, you can find my work on any Barnes & Noble, Amazon, any comic book store, hopefully knows my work. But, yeah. Well, I remember it was a couple of years ago, maybe more than a couple actually now, where there's a monthly magazine, the HBS Bulletin, that goes out to alumni and describes all the things they're doing in private business or in uh, not-for-profits and so forth. And the cover will often be a picture of somebody. In this case, it was a comic picture, and it was featuring uh, you. You you were the cover person for that I was. I was. That's the first time I've been a, a cover model, I guess, <laughs> as, <laughs> as a superhero. I want to thank you so much, and I'd love to get you back at some point to talk about creativity, which obviously you have in abundance. One more time, just uh, so people have your uh, your website. Oh, sure. It's um, iwritecomics.com or amychu.com, A-M-Y-C-H-U. Well, that's terrific. I, I want to thank you so much, and not just for this, but so the listeners are, are aware of it. I have the Negotiation Mastery course on HBS Online. I don't know if I've told you, Amy, that has now been taken by people in more than 120 countries, which is wow, just, that's just wonderful. It's quite amazing. If you want to see and hear more of Amy, uh, take the course, the Negotiation Mastery on HBS Online. So thank you for joining us this uh, morning, and I hope very much that we stay in touch. Well, thank you, Mike. Let's remind people about how they can chat with us and with their fellow listeners on our Negotiation 360 website. Well, it's not just the chat that they can have with us and other listeners, but there are other resources uh, on the site. Um, you can find my Negotiation 360 self-assessment and best practice app. There are links to online courses, and we're putting up articles that you and I have written together and maybe some others as well. So there's lots of stuff on agile negotiation and adaptive leadership. Much of it is free. We've even simplified the URL for podcast listeners. Here's how to find us. Just key in the letter N, as in negotiation, and the numbers 360.expert. That's N360.expert, and you'll find us.